Did you miss the headline and the top story of the day? Extra, extra, we don't don't worry, because we got you covered. This is how we do. It's the Cattles and Rami. Top spot. That is the show. Final hour on a Friday going into Memorial Day weekend. Woo-hoo! I'm the Rami. Half of that, that woohoo came from Whitey Gleason in the co-host chair. And for the absent Nick Cattles, Nick will be back on Tuesday after the long weekend. My weirdness shines through more and more every day. And it'll be shining through on Tuesday, and we can't wait to get Nick back. We do appreciate Whitey sitting in, though, all week long. I appreciate Jay and Simone and all the snacks they brought in last segment. Had to, I needed to drink a lot of water after the snack exchange. There's some salt here. Simone brought in some little ice cream cones during the... Very oh tiny my God. Like Barbie doll ice creams, oh but they're my. very I'm with, good. I'm with I JJ, can... though. Simone says, like, oh, this little saddest... She handed it to us. She was like, the best part about this is you don't have to eat a whole yeah. cone. It'll satisfy your craving. <laughs> I'm like, Jay, I'm going in for, like, four, five, yeah. six of those yeah. if no. they're in the freezer at home. Perfect little bite. They're too easy to eat. Too easy I to eat. They were about nipple length. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's about how big they are. In the top spot today, we'll talk. We're talking NBA Finals and Whitey. The the Celtics did it again. They pull out the one ten ninety seven victory. Never trailed in that game yesterday. And something kind of odd about that game: Derek White and Marcus Smart led all scores with twenty four and twenty three. It wasn't necessarily the Tatum and Brown show or anything like that. But what it came down to was the Celtics just, they shot the ball well again, which they didn't do in the first three games. 50% from the field, 41% from the from from three. Afterwards, Jalen Brown continued his mantra of, man, don't let us, don't let us get going. Yeah, we just got to be consistent. Tonight we were the tougher playing team. Um, we set this on from start to finish, and uh, we had a great team win. We hit shots, and they let us get two, uh, so don't let us get another one. Jason Tatum basically said what I just said. He knows they they tend to make this thing hard on themselves. For some odd reason, even last year, we we always seem to make it a little bit tougher on ourselves. Um, But what I do know is that, you know, you can see the true character of a a person, uh, of a team, um, when things aren't going well and our ability to um, come together um, figure things out, you know, um, when it's not necessarily looking good for us. Uh, it's unlike any team I've been on this year and last year, you know, just the core group of guys of, um, you know, being able to respond. Um, and I think that's just a, a test to our togetherness, um, you know, obviously how bad we want it. And, you know, we got, we got room for the um, – determined, tough guys that, you know, push come to shove, you know, you look to the left and the right and you believe that, you know, the guy next to you is going to do whatever it takes uh, and go down fighting if it it don't work out. If I'm a Celtics fan and our resident resident Celtics fan, Nick Cattles will be back on Tuesday. Like, cool that you guys swing when your back's against the wall and you don't just go down dying, but... How about that character and that fight yeah. and the want to win and all? How about that shows up in games one, two, or three? Yes. The other That'd thing I'd nice. say, in yeah. addition to that, I'd say, you know, you haven't won anything yet. Here you are talking about, you know, 
the true test of character. Well, you're still losing in the series, and that's great that you've won two games, but how about, hey, we haven't done anything yet. We'll see you in the next game. But the Heat, Whitey, they 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 look old. They do. They looked old they in that game And yesterday. they missed Gabe Vincent. And they looked like they missed Gabe Vincent and his 17 and a half points a game. Yes, and so we'll see what his status is for the rest of the series, however far that goes. You know, it's tough. Sprained ankles don't just heal overnight. They really needed him, and they did. You're right. They looked old, and they shot the ball well. Miami did. They just didn't make as many threes, and they turned the ball over way too much. And Jimmy Butler looked human. He looked pedestrian, really, for the second straight game. 5 of 10, 0 for 2 from 3. He only got to the free throw line 6 times, 14 points on the night. They were minus 24 when Jimmy Butler was out there on the floor. And I said before Game 5, Whitey, I said, even if the Celtics take this, I'm still going to say it's 60-40 that Miami wins this series. If Jimmy Butler keeps looking like that, that evens the odds a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's closer to 55-45 if, I, if I'm looking at this Jimmy yeah. Butler for the last two games. Of course, as you know, as we discussed, as anybody who watched the game knows, they took him out in the fourth quarter, so he would uh, be uh, playing with more energy in the next game because they have the last two games. Boston took it to the Heat, and, and they looked old and tired. And they're they're doing what a lot of teams did to De'Aaron Fox as the season winded down. We saw the Warriors do it. In, in that playoff series, which is they're just gonna they're gonna send they're gonna run two guys right at him and get the ball out of his hands and see if somebody else can beat you. They weren't mm-hmm. gonna let Jimmy Jimmy Butler dictate the action and 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 set the offense and and get it going and run it all through him. They were running two guys right into Jimmy Butler's face and he, he had to get rid of the ball and they were saying let somebody else beat us and especially with Gabe Vincent that was very hard. For, for the, the Miami Heat to do yesterday. I don't know about you, Whitey. Well, I do know because we discussed it earlier. That's kind of the concept of mm-hmm. the top spot. But yeah. as far as entertainment value, the guy I just mentioned is the reason why ultimately, well, that and the schadenfreude of taking joy in Celtics fans' pain, including Nick, who will be back on Tuesday. Oh, man, if this game, if this thing goes seven and they lose Monday, and then Nick is here on Tuesday. Oh, it's, get, it's still going to be so fresh. It's going to be it's going to be great. But outside of that, the guy I just mentioned, Jimmy Butler, and the way he wears the black hat and and just antagonizes the other team and opposing fan bases and just doesn't care about anything. That to me brings the most entertainment value to to a potential opponent for the Nuggets out of these two teams. I want the Heat to go on, and I want to see Jimmy Butler with his black hat against Nikola Jokic and and everybody's darlings in, in the Denver Nuggets and the white hat and, and give us a, a good storyline and people to root for and root against in the NBA Finals. That's where you and I part company. I think Boston is a much better team. I think they're more fun to watch. Uh, I think they play a much more exciting brand of basketball. I also fear if Miami finds their way through, tip of the cap to them. But I think Denver, you never know this year, but I think Denver would just going to run them out of the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Pam Adebayo has given Nikola Jokic some some issues in the past. Now, that means that he's, what, only going to barely get a (laughs) triple-double when you're talking about that guy. Well, I thought our guest yesterday, Alphonse, said it was the other way around. I might might be confused. I might have it flipped in my head. I thought you said Jokic has – Adebayo has given Jokic problems. Maybe he said the opposite, and I have it flipped in my head. That's quite possible. But I just – I'm a big Jimmy Butler guy. Always have been. I – 
And I, I would like to see him get a cra- another crack at a championship and, like I said, antagonize mm-hmm. the Nuggets in the city of Denver the whole way. Yeah, he can't <laughs> do it himself. And, and last night it looked like, for the most part, you know, Highsmith, Martin played well, but it looks like he's going to have to do it himself. And they might get, in this series, he will have to do it himself. They might get Tyler Hero back for the That's finals, right. which I don't think makes him as good a team as Denver or maybe not even as good as Boston on paper, mm. but it certainly... It balances the scales a little bit more heading into that series. They could use if Tyler Hero is ready to go. That's our top spot. Looking at back at the Eastern Conference Finals, ahead to the NBA Finals a little bit at five thirty. We'll have the uh, the call back. Bring you back a little something we with someone we talked about earlier in the show. But after this, the 49ers have a secret weapon and one we haven't talked about yet. We'll discuss next. Cattles and Ronnie Sports. That's the show. Whitey in for Cattles once again this afternoon. Still working on the snacks as we open the Sacramento Snack Exchange at 445 here on the Cattles and Whitey program. I think the uh, the most surprising and maybe my favorite thing in the little smorgasbord that uh, Simone and Jay hooked up for us, Whitey, was the the spicy dried mango. That was that was a sleeper right there. So good. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that thoroughly. You know, my daughter. Is that who was? Hold on. Did you bring that, Jay, or did Simone bring that? You brought that no, I brought that. Okay. Yeah, my daughter right. put me on that. You know, she laced my tennis shoes, gave me up. Tasty. Tasty, tasty, tasty. We uh, and, 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 and I appreciate it. Me and Whitey both do appreciate that. There was a piece from uh, NBC Sports Bay Area that made its way to Yahoo, where I, I checked it out this morning. Whitey, talking about what 49ers quarterbacks Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold are learning from Brian Greasy. Brock Purdy. And just a couple of quotes from the article. Uh, this is Darnold saying that Greasy has been awesome so far during OTAs. Really, throughout the whole process, right when I decided to sign here, Greasy has been awesome for me just to be able to talk to uh, to about learning the system, about coming to a new team, certain expectations coming in, and being the new guy on the block. Also, this from uh, Sam Darnold said, it's also having that mindset. Okay, when I step in the huddle, I am the leader. And guys are going to, if they have questions, they should feel confident in me that I know the answer in terms of scheme and what they got. Purdy says, oh, yeah, it's been great. Really just picking up where we left off last year. I always say his experience. He's been in our shoes, so he's able to relate to a lot of things, what we're seeing, how we're feeling, situational football, etc. And as I was reading this article, Whitey, we've talked a lot about, and really in in a couple of different sports, we've talked in in basketball, how teams like the Miami Heat and how the the Kings are going to need to be a team that finds develops their own finds talent. finds talent in unlikely places and and develops talent at a high rate and very. Very effectively and very efficiently. It's what the very best organizations have a knack for doing. It's what the Kings are going to have to do. And I've said a number of times that when it comes to their player evaluation and player development, I give Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch a lot of credit and a lot of leeway and benefit of the doubt. If a move doesn't make sense to me, I go, okay, I might not see it now, but these guys usually see things that that I don't see and, and it'll make itself clear down the road. But what what I hadn't really thought of or considered is that they they really kind of do the same thing when it comes to coaching. When when you look at the turnover on Kyle Shanahan's uh staff over the years which you're going to have that that's a good sign. That means you've been very successful. 
they just keep on finding new guys and churning out new guys. You've lost two defensive coordinators in, in the last three years, and they bring in Steve Wilkes, who obviously comes with a track record and yeah. a resume. And if I may, just to that mm-hmm. point, both the guys that you lost did such a good job. They both got head coaching jobs. Right. So it's not like you lost exactly. some schlubs. They came in and performed yeah. at a level where people are like, I want that guy running yep. my organization. Yep. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like That's how good a find those guys were for Kyle Shanahan. Oh, yeah, and I forgot. They lost Fangio, too. Um, and, and that's why they brought in Salah. Fangio got a head coaching. So that's three defensive coordinators in a row that you brought in and lost two head coaching jobs, which just tells you how good a job that they did. But then when you look at at the offensive side of things, and Kyle Shanahan is is the mastermind. He's the architect of all that. But you still need people to to go out and get the message through. Shanahan can't be, can't be everywhere all at once in terms of teaching this stuff and drilling this stuff into these guys. And I remember I got here just after Mike McDaniel was hired by the Dolphins last uh-huh, year to uh-huh. to be their head coach and they didn't name an offensive coordinator. They went with the the run game coordinator and the pass game coordinator titles for for a couple of guys. They didn't name an and I went, hmm, "That's kind of weird." And they also brought in Brian Greasy, who I was just talking about as a quarterback's coach. And I went, "So you're not going to name an offensive coordinator and you're going to bring a guy out of the booth to be your quarterback's coach for a team that doesn't necessarily have the greatest quarterback situation. And as the season went on last year, Whitey, they had Trey Lance was plan A. He got hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo came in, performed at a high level. Brock Purdy came in after he got hurt, performed at a high level. I think you have to give a lot of that credit, yes, to Kyle Shanahan, but also to Brian Greasy, and it speaks to what I'm talking about, that their secret weapon, yes, it is the finding talent and developing talent from unlikely places, but they also seem to have an eye for for filling out a coaching staff and refilling a coaching staff as they lose guys because they're so good at what they do. Yeah, and Greasy replaced uh, Coach Scandarello. And to your point, you know, Greasy hadn't been a coach before, right? And he, mm-hmm. they bring him in at very important time of development for some of the 49er quarterbacks and a very volatile time uh, for their quarterback situation overall. So he he's done a spectacular job, and you're right. The 49ers, it's why it's, it's so interesting to me that uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, they have such a knack for talent, not just players but coaches. And yet when it comes to quarterbacks, it seems like – uh, maybe he's got it figured out now, but it seems like um, uh, Coach Shanahan has just had kind of a, a hard time with that most important position. But maybe maybe they found their guy. It hadn't dawned on me how good they are at this until I was reading that article today. And I was like, yeah, Brian Greasy. Yeah. They pulled that guy out of the ESPN college football yeah. booth. Some eyebrows and, were raised when he was hired. And, by the way, and handed over the guy they had traded a, a bunch of assets to to move up to number three in the draft, and they're like, "Here, this, this, here's your project." You know, a guy yeah, that yeah. they had a lot riding on in Trey Lance as the season started last year. They put they put him in the hands of Brian Greasy and, and said, "Here you go, we trust you." And while Trey Lance didn't necessarily work out because of injury, every other quarterback that you that you gave him to work with after that performed at at high enough a level, I think we can say, to keep the 49ers in contention. I see TC. He's been on hold for a a little bit, wanting to talk some 49ers. Appreciate the patience, TC. What do you got, buddy? TC? Rami. Yes, sir. Whitey, how you guys doing? Great. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Just chime in a little bit about the Niners. What you got? Um, Yeah, it's it's like this. You know, when I call, I probably – 
I say it all the time, man. I, it's like this. I know the whole Trey Lance, he came out, he worked on everything. I love him for that. You know what I'm saying? But it's like this. It's an honest truth. If Kyle is not giving him his proper chance, if the whole, like, they let him play, and then all of a sudden they're like, when Brock Purdy, he's ahead of schedule. He's no matter what the starting quarterback. If, I, if I'm sitting down in that office, if I'm Lance and his agent, if I'm not, if I don't have a shot to be the guy from training camp until week one, like legitimately be the guy, not I'm the guy for a game, I'm a guy for a preseason, and then Purdy's back, then trade me, get me out of here because you guys are playing with me. You guys have been playing with me this whole time I've been here. I'm not being a second string. I'm not being a third string. I want to be the starting quarterback. If that's not happening, then get me out of town, please, because that's what it's seeming like to me. Appreciate the call, TC. I think I think turn off my mic when I meant to hang keep up that the on phone. it generally. I meant to hit the button to hang up the yeah. phone, and I hit the yeah, mic button to hang up my mic. Uh, anyway, I think I think Trey Lance sees an opportunity still here in San Francisco. And 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 obviously wants to take that opportunity and run with it. I think he also knows it's it's one more year. And if he if he doesn't get his opportunity here because Brock Purdy performs at a certain level, he'll go somewhere else and and probably get a chance there. And Trey Lance says like this is where I want to be, which he he might mean that, but he also wants to be a starting quarterback in this league. I'm sure. And once it dawns on it dawns on him or sets in that it's not happening with the 49ers then then he'll start his he'll he'll start looking elsewhere and his representatives will start looking mm-hmm. elsewhere i think that's right and i i see it the same way tc does but as you say right now if you're Trey Lance what do you want i want to play okay you've got this chance now in front of you right now you have to maximize this opportunity you've got a legitimate shot it appears to at least show that you're a better quarterback than you've shown to this point. I think if he, if he plays in this preseason and then he ends up, you know, being supplanted by Sam Darnold as a backup, then I think it is going to be for Trey Lance, a point where he's not going to demand to get out. And I, you know, I know there's interest. The Titans um, have interest in him and other teams are interested, but right now he's going to give everything he can to being the best quarterback he can be right now. But if he ends up as the third quarterback, I think he is going to be demanding uh, his way out of San Francisco. I think he also maybe sees what we were just talking about, that Kyle Shanahan and his staff do a pretty good job of, of coaching up quarterbacks and teaching them what, what it takes to play quarterback at this level. And why not Why not at least take another year under those guys' wing of, of learning the position and learning this league, especially when you've had as many setbacks and hiccups in the start of your career as Trey Lance has had. You said this a couple days ago, I believe, and I was watching – uh, today I was watching some of the video of the OTAs and Trey Lance, and I think you said, you know, his delivery does look a little more crisp. Mm-hmm. And I said the same thing you did. And, you know, who knows? I played quarterback at a high level of Leo Vikings, Pop Warner football, as you know. But, uh, but it, That's it is true. That's why we got you here. That's you why can... you're here. It's that Pop Warner football <laughs> yeah, experience. Yes. You could see him working. Can you imagine how hard it is when you played football your whole life? He's young, but still. Yeah. And I'm a quarterback. I know how to throw the ball. Hey, we don't want you to do that that way anymore, how hard that is. But you can see. I mean, it's, it's much tighter. tighter. He's getting the ball out quicker. It's more compact yes. and tighter and, and coming over the so top a little bit more. So he's working on it. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I, you're right. A guy deserves credit for that. Like, your trade is throwing the football. And you've yeah. been doing it one way your whole life. Don't do it that way anymore. Yeah. Like, Don't do it that way. You've got to have an open mind to, yeah. to, to hear that and, and to work on that. You know what I mean? So yeah. credit credit to him for, for, for working on it. And, yeah, I think it's – I think there's a noticeable difference. If you've been watching football your whole life, 
you can see the difference in his delivery, and we'll we'll see if it pays off for the 49ers or for somebody else. Right after this, what might the Kings do this offseason? Bobby Marks, ESPN front office analyst in the callback. Rami. I'm going to light up these phone lines. The phone is ringing. And we are checking to see who's on the line. Long-time listener, first-time caller. News, gossip, a story. Okay, who's the next victim? It's the callback. On Cattles and Rami. Whitey in for Cattles for another 28 minutes. I can and, handle that. Uh, Cattles will be back on Tuesday after the Memorial Day weekend. We had Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider on the show earlier today. I didn't know until you brought it up in the interview. He interviewed to be uh, the Kings assistant GM. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think they, they might have hired him. I'm not sure he was interested in the job. But we talked with Bobby about these Sacramento Kings, and I asked him just how many steps the Kings took from just one year ago. Oh, man. I mean, I mean, I thought <laughs> just getting into the plan this year would have been a success. Sure. Right? I thought that would have been step one. It kind of it feels like they skipped it, and they didn't have to kind of give up the farm to, to do it here. And, you know, I think you see where Denver is right now, and that's certainly the gold standard, and I don't think there's any reason why this roster can't be there. Um whether it be next year or a year after that. Um, and then after that, it's, you know, it's a, it's a Western Conference that's got a lot of parity that's really wide open. Um, so, yeah, they made a, a tremendous amount of steps as far as uh, I thought just the goal was to get in the play and get it kind of get that taste of playing meaningful games here. But when you when you go to a seven game series and you're up, you know, you know, um, you know, two oh in that series, um, to be, put yourself in that position and now now the hard part is right now this is the hard part mm-hmm. when you are kind of a targeted team and you're not going to sneak up on and everybody's going to want to know kind of what's next here and getting to the first round probably isn't going to be acceptable next year he mentioned the the wide open west and and we've talked whitey about it's maybe not as wide open as as it may have looked to some of us early in the season and and we didn't quite know how good denver was and how far ahead of the pack that they were, but that being said, it, after Denver, I, there's nobody else who who I fear, or who I would automatically put ahead of the Kings if we were to, you know, stack the Western Conference next season. And quite frankly, I think as good as they are with the right moves, they can be caught by the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I see it the same way you do. Most of the other teams in the West that we have expectations of. There's something pulling them down, whether yep. it's contract status or uh, a situation like, you know, whatever's going on with Jaw. But the Kings seem like, no, nope, they have the opportunities to continue to push this thing in the right direction. I also asked him about, you know, it's money is going to determine a lot, but also the perception of the franchise is going to matter in terms of getting guys to come to Sacramento and, and play for Mike Brown. And I asked him, how much has that perception changed around the league? I would say that Sacramento won't have any trouble having guys come in for draft workouts <laughs> like they've had in the past. And I know they're picking in the 20s, and it's a lot different than picking at four and five here, and that was always the big thing. Like, nobody wanted to go to Sacramento and work out, and um, I don't think you have to worry about that. I think, yeah, it's, you know, this big market destination thing, I think it's certainly overblown. I think I look, and, and I didn't even really write about it. You know, their medical staff, you know, basically keeping this, this team on the court healthy. Yep. I mean, I think they missed the fewest games there. Um, so you know that's a place that you're going to be taking care of, um, um, you know, for, you know, on the court, off the court here. I think, you know, hey, we know Mike's going to be here for a long time. And I think that's all players want. The 
players don't want to go to situations where you're going to be changing a coach two years from now here. And I think how the league is set up here with this new collective bargaining agreement coming in, there's, there's going to be more parity than we probably saw this year here. So um, so it, it, there's no reason why it can't be a destination spot. As long as you win and you know you have a tremendous fan base and this fan base has been through this behind them forever – through bad and good and we saw this year what an advantage it was here um players want to play for that you know like you know you can go live in miami during the summer if you don't want to live in you know northern california in in june july and in august here and um so i think i think it is a destination spot just based on when you win games players want to go there destination why Mm. do you sacramento a destination for nba players could you see it semi i mean a semi destination if that makes sense but i i I think that's you know quite an quite an accomplishment from given what they where they used to be where nobody wanted to come here yeah that's that's it's come a long way in terms of getting making this a place guys would want to play and finally why do you ask our guest bobby marks who joined us on the Folsom lake honda hotline Folsom lake honda your one-stop honda shop in your never-ending quest to trade the rights to Sasha yes. Vizankov and never see him in a Kings uniform, just what is his value around the league to other teams? Uh, huge, because it's you know it, it's it's a little bit different, you know, certainly from a from a free agent perspective as far as a guy coming in and then you certainly have him on a, a control either a controllable contract, especially how some of these exceptions are going to work in the CBA, or maybe you use you know some of your um, you know non-taxman level um you can go out and, and do that here and oh it's, it's it's got a lot of tremendous value i mean it's it's basically an additional draft pick and it's a guy that's got a ton of experience that can come in i think and can play for you right now or if you're as you said if you're looking to flip him for something else um if that's what sacramento wants to do it depends what they'd flip him for why absolutely 100 when we were talking about it and i said i think he has more value to the kings than he would on the market I also put the, the the disclaimer on it that I don't know anything about an NBA salary caps and that whole puzzle and how it goes together. He he threw in some of the stuff that would factor into that. The 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 small contract, the mid level exception, getting basically a draft pick. So his value does seem higher than maybe what I thought it was when we had that discussion a couple days ago. But to me still and again, like I said, it depends what you get for him and, and what are you going to package with him to get a quality player over. I said to JJ on Monday before before you jumped in the co-host chair, you look at, at Sasha Vizankov, and I think you, you might be getting, now not top four, top five, I'm not saying that, but a lottery quality type of rookie player. And those just don't come along all that often, and I don't know that you're going to get somebody better than that now, but also somebody to be a part of this thing right. for the future in any sort of trade. Yeah, and just to clarify, I, I'm not saying you need to get rid of this guy. I'm saying that he has value, so if you could spin him off for something that would more directly impact your real needs, you'd have to consider it. Um, that That's that's all I'm really saying about that. As far as his value, it really hinges on something that's unknowable, and that is what the other teams around the league think of him what how much do they want him that's what determines value that's the callback bobby marks nba espn front office insider was our guest on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline Folsom Lake Honda your one stop Honda shop going to wrap it up on uh, before a long weekend within other news that's coming up next right here on cattles and did you catch all the week's headlines check the headlines check the headlines the headlines Let the fellas fill you in on this week's In Other News. In Other News, 
where we give you some of the weird, wild, wacky stories from around the world of sports and the wacky and elsewhere, including the world of uh, Jeopardy. You watch Jeopardy, Whitey? What is? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, There was a clue in the category Shakespeare's characters earlier this week, and the clue was both of these both. Both of the names of these two lovers in a Shakespeare play come from Latin words for blessed. Do you know the the question that is the answer to that clue? Now, the answer is Beatrice and Benedict. Beatrice and Benedict is the answer. But uh, one contestant, it was, uh, let me see here, Ben Chan from Green Bay, Wisconsin. He wrote down Beatrice and Benedict. That's wrong. Off by one letter. It's wrong. And not only did he not win, he had a 10-day winning streak ended by one letter yeah. on Jeopardy because uh, he misspelled the one of the characters' names. That's tough. Dude. He got it wrong. I mean, technically, you get it yes. right or you get it wrong. The judges couldn't let one letter slide. No. The judges just couldn't let just one letter no, slide. No, no, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I guess, <laughs> I guess the rules is the rules, but... I don't know. That seems kind of, to end a ten day run on one letter seems kind of tough to me. Hey, like. let me know if you ever want to do this. I uh, I've done this at a number of stations. A little game called Jeopardy, which was is like Jeopardy with sports questions. Ooh. We have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I almost asked if you wanted to do it today. Oh, definitely. But anytime, just let me know if you guys want to do. We're that. We're probably gonna have to backfill this last. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you just keep that in your back pocket, ID. Oh no, I got something in my back pocket. Don't worry, Simone. Simone, do you have a story for another news this week? No, I was no. just gonna. I was oh. just gonna. To okay. share that you know my uh, Vanderpump Rules did really well as far as their ratings were going. Of course uh, it did. There was an incredible version. I did want to let the people know um, available on Peacock where it's uncensored. So oh. that's really nice. Whitey is running to his Peacock app right now. So, sure yes, am. The yeah. uncens- it's uncensored fun to Vanderpump watch them Rules. Really segment. go at it that way. So that's just my little in other news. That guy is always crying. The, the one dude, was the Sandoval yes. in Scandoval. They're crocodile tears. Nothing all, is coming out. Really? No, you think no. it's all It's all an act, huh? Yes, all right. Yes. JJ, anything in other news today? Whitey, or should I just move on to the other thing that I had loaded up for this segment real quick? Jay? Yeah, I have something, okay. but I, I kind of like the other thing that you're getting ready to jump on. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to veto mine, too, because okay. I, I, I have a, a, a few things to talk about this here. Let's jump right into it. Scotty Pippen. Was on uh, Stacy King's podcast. Stacy, who I just texted a couple days ago. Oh, Stacy, nice. you better you better respond to me, homie. Especially, especially <laughs> after this. Yeah, he was on uh, Stacy King's podcast, and the subject of LeBron versus MJ came up. Have you have you seen this or read no. these quotes? Why do you haven't? Okay, um, and he's he's said before he thinks LeBron is is the greatest of all time and and has surpassed Michael Jordan. But uh, said so more strongly today with Stacey King. LeBron will be the greatest statistical guy to ever play the game of basketball. And there's no comparison to him. None. So does that make him the greatest player to ever play the game? I'll leave that out for debating because I don't believe that there's a great player because our game is a team game and one player can't do it. Like I seen Michael Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys seen him play. He's a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. He's shooting bad shots. And all of a sudden, we become a team and we start winning. Everybody forgot who he was. A horrible player. 
he described Michael Jordan as before he <laughs> came to the Chicago Bulls. This right. is just sad. Is is if I don't know if if everybody. I mean, I do see the humor in it, and Twitter is having a great time with yeah, it today, and, and and I've and I've laughed at at plenty of those tweets. But ultimately, this thing is just sad. The the it way, is. The, the way that this has this this has deteriorated between Scotty and Michael, and there's clearly. There's something personal there, and and maybe even more personal there. Now that Michael Jordan's son is dating Scottie Pippen's ding, 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 ding. ex-wife, that might have thrown a little bit more a little bit more gas on on the flames. Think right in hell of that yeah. relationship. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain <laughs> it didn't help. But man, you just come off like there, and there would be a way for Scottie to to go on this campaign of saying LeBron is the goat and he'd take him over Michael. There'd be a way to do that more effectively. You just come off as a bitter old man when when you do it and frame it the way that Scottie Pippen just did to say. I mean, you look foolish. You when when you, Michael Jordan was a terrible player. Did those words horrible, word, yeah. horrible players? Those words just leave your lips, Scottie Pippen. That really, he's a horrible player. Before you got to Chicago. Stop, man! Just stop this insanity. Stop! It's it's sad between is what is what it is between these two guys. Hasn't he, as far as who's the better player? Hasn't Scotty a little bit gone back and forth? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that he was like, oh, he says LeBron's better. Then I thought there was a period where he was suggesting no, Michael was better. And when when JJ played the cut, to me it sounded like he was kind of trying to have it both ways. But you know, then he clearly comes down. Pro LeBron, uh, it is sad he never got over whatever resentment he had for for Michael when he played there. Remember when Michael left the first year Michael was gone, and they were gonna they were running a play against the Knicks, and Phil Jackson wanted Scottie Pippen to be the decoy, so he'd give the ball to Kukoc, Coach, and Scottie Pippen's like, I'm not I'm not going in the game then. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him. Yeah. yeah. And 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 you don't blame him. I don't blame him. <laughs> give me the, he wouldn't have done it to Jordan. Uh, I mean, Jordan was not by design, but Jordan was the decoy before it. where he passed it off Mm-mm. to Paxson or Kerr or somebody but he else. Passed, sure. he passed it yes. off to Steve Kerr yes. or John Paxson. Nah, uh-uh. I, I'm not no decoy. I, I get Hand it. me the rock. But, Jay, this this bitterness, is it's yeah. ugly and it's sad it between is. these two guys. You know what's interesting for me is I'm not old, en- I'm, I'm not old enough to have seen Mike play without Scotty. Sure. And so – for me, because you guys are older than me, I always, you know, fall back and allow you guys to speak on it. But there is there's some, there's a truth to that. And this is my thing. Jordan is not untouchable. Like Jordan fans make Jordan untouchable. He can't be he's the Teflon Don. Mm-hmm. In in reality, for me, Jordan is a lot bigger because of what he's done off the court compared to what he's done on the court. It sounds crazy. No, no, I, I think there's it. something to that. But I'll argue to death the fact that his brand has put him over the top, and especially in my type of community where mm-hmm. I come from, where we cared more, more or less about what was on our feet or on our back than him playing, right? Um, and so, well, l- let me say for some people, mm-hmm. because I know a lot of people go, Jay, you crazy as Michael Jordan. I get it. But – Jordan has a mystique about him that if you say anything wrong about him, and I think that's what Isaiah Thomas has kind of been saying and certain people, you know, the detractors of Michael Jordan, where it's like, okay, this dude's not, you know, 
the Teflon dime. He's not like, God. He he's not God. Yeah, he's right. Not he can't be touched. Right. right. And so that's my thing. And this is what I, I, I take it even a step further is I know Scotty mad. I, look, anybody who's dating my ex-wife and it is not only you but your son, mm-hmm. it's not even you but your son is dating my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. That's totally off limits. That's the killer of the bro code, right? He's got to have... He's got to have an opinion that's weighed, though, because he played with Michael Jordan from the top to the bottom, just about. And if if his if his if his breakdown, his analysis, and answering that question, Jay, was measured, okay, then then his 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 words would carry more weight with me. To say Michael Jordan is horrible, I think, is, when is he was, where you lose credibility. I you think, know what I mean. I agree with and what you're saying. It just comes off as bitterness, yes. and I don't know. What you actually believe, and how much of this is just your bitterness speaking? It's the bitterness for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm with you. I, I just think it's a it's a conversation, and, and Whitey touched on it. I think he's been calculated and measured in certain points and times throughout this yeah. discussion. And today, it's you know, it's the viral moment. Like, ah, oh, dude's been horrible. He chose a different word today. Whatever. Who knows how he was feeling today? He's not horrible, but there's an opinion based upon who he is that we have to pay attention to. And if he is saying, if Scottie Pippen, who went through Thick thick as Thieves with Jordan, Mm -hmm. is saying he might not be the greatest. I mean, if let's take a step back to it. Sure. Why did you have something? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Are you done? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Uh, Real quick. Pippen joined the NBA in 1987. 1986, April 20th, 1986, Michael Jordan scored 63 points in a playoff game against the Celtics. That's the most points anyone scored in an NBA playoff game, and that was before Scotty got lost. there. As the haters yeah. will point yeah, out, they yeah, didn't lose that basketball. Took that L. No one cares now. You took the loss. To the point you made, if I understood you correctly, when Michael Jordan left the Bulls, you know, you'd figure he's the greatest player ever. They must have collapsed, right? First time he left, I think they went 55 games. And Scotty should have been the MVP with, with, that year. With, without him. But I will also say this. There's a reason why Scott. I don't know if you guys remember this viral moment, but Scotty. Putting his Jordan up to the camera Truth. and pointing at it and uh-huh. saying, come back. Uh-huh. He did that for a reason because he knew he knew what Michael brought to that team. Yeah. And he knew oh, yeah. they weren't winning championships see, without MJ. See, I look at it differently. He told Nike, I need my own shoe, which you wind up getting <laughs> the next year. He got it the next year. See what I'm saying? I could, I could argue it, too. <laughs> our thanks to our guest today, Bobby Marks, who you heard in the callback, ESPN front office analyst, as well as Matt Kawahara, who gave us the latest on the A's and their potential move to Las Vegas from the San Francisco Chronicle. If you missed either of those or anything on today's show, check them out at SacktownSports.com, the app, or YouTube.com slash SacktownSports. Whitey, thanks again Thank for you. sitting in for Nick. Very Nick much. is back Tuesday. For Jay, Simone, Rami saying enjoy the long weekend and be safe out there, Sacramento. We'll talk to you Tuesday starting at 2.